The Many Faces of Mary Book Two, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. How do you write about Our Lady and not cry? How does your heart not fill up with emotion so that you just want to burst? We want to share that lady with you, the mother whom we love, whose title tells what she has always done, help. We are referring to the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, or as she is sometimes known, Our Lady of the Passion, and how looking at it and contemplating the story behind the painting, the reality of this mother's agony comes tragically into play, the agony of seeing her son growing up to make the one and final sacrifice for the salvation of the world. As you saw the signs, did you try to keep them from your son, Mother Mary? According to tradition, Our Lady of Perpetual Help is considered the oldest icon in the Church. It is believed that the first icon of the Virgin of the Passion, or Our Lady of Perpetual Help, was in fact painted by St. Luke. And who better than he to paint this sorrowful image of mother and son? For St. Luke, of all the Gospel writers, wrote most personally of the Lord in his infancy up to his death on the cross. So much so, with details that only the mother of Jesus could know, the likelihood is that Our Lady herself must have shared them with him. It is further believed that St. Luke painted the icon of our Blessed Mother and her son Jesus while she was still in Jerusalem. When he showed the finished painting to her, it is said she blessed him and the icon, saying, Her grace would accompany the icon. And so he has, with countless miracles accompanying the icon wherever it has been venerated, asking the intercession of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. There were so many miracles, so many petitions answered. In the year 1207, Pope Innocent III declared that the Virgin Mary's soul had to have entered the icon, as she was so radiantly beautiful, and the icon had been such a powerful instrument in bringing about so many miracles through Our Lady's intervention. The icon begins its travels. We read that after he had completed the painting, Luke gave it to his best friend and patron, Theophilus. Then, there is little reported until we find ourselves in the middle of the 5th century. We find the icon in Constantinople, where St. Pulcheria erected a shrine in honor of the icon and Our Lady of Perpetual Help, or as she is also called, Our Lady of Perpetual Soccer. For 1,000 years, our icon remained in Constantinople, where he had the love and devotion of believers from every walk of life, royalty and their serfs, kings and queens and their subjects, the haves and the have-nots, all knelt and prayed, and their petitions were answered. The 15th century, and Our Lady takes the image to heaven. Then in 1453, Constantinople was under siege, and again we read that the night before the fall of the ancient holy city, our Mother Mary took the icon up to heaven. However, many copies were made at that time in history and are venerated in some part of the world till today. A mother's work never done, Our Lady of Perpetual Help is still listening. Forever our mother, she's still interceding with her son on our behalf. As you can see on the icon, she is looking toward us, begging us to love her son and to turn to him in our time of need. Mother Mary always points to her son. 
I have stopped counting all the paintings and statues we have seen of the Blessed Mother and the Child Jesus, but they are all the same, echoing the words of Cana, do whatever he tells you. The 16th century and the icon of Our Lady reappears. Now, the next time we hear of the icon is in the 16th century, and tradition tells us that the icon is now on the island of Crete. A merchant enters the picture. He spots a magnificent icon in a church, and hearing about the miracles that have come about through the veneration of what he sees as a valuable piece of art, he still said, stealthily packing it among his samples. He sets out on the high seas toward Italy, when the ship is attacked mercilessly by torrents of rain, thunder, and lightning, the waves threatening to capsize the ship. Only by the grace of God did he and the ship survive the angry winds and slamming waves relentlessly beating against the hull of the ship. Finally, he landed, but his punishment wasn't over. After a year of endless struggle, we find our unscrupulous merchant in Rome. But that's not the end of the story. In Rome, our merchant falls critically ill and seeks help from a friend. There was little the friend could do, and the time came for the merchant to entrust the miraculous icon to the care of his friend with the admonition that upon his death he bring it to a church. The friend promised to fulfill the merchant's dying wish, but he didn't reckon with his friend's wife, who, upon seeing how valuable it was, insisted on keeping it. The result? The husband also died without having honored his dying friend's wish. Not to be discouraged by another setback, Our Lady appeared to the couple's six-year-old daughter and told her to tell her mother and grandmother, who naturally got involved, to relinquish the icon at once and bring it to St. Matthew the Apostle Church, located between the Basilicas of St. Mary Major and St. John Lateran. It took quite a bit of soul-searching and arguing with herself back and forth, but at last the little girl's mother went to speak to the priest of St. Matthew the Apostle, and the icon was placed in the church on March 27, 1499, under the title of the Virgin of St. Matthews. The icon will be venerated for the next 300 years in St. Matthew the Apostle, the numbers of petitioners growing once more, only now throughout all of Rome. As the faithful prayed and pleaded, Our Lady interceded and the Lord responded. War comes and the icon faces exile. Although St. Matthew the Apostle's church was small and not terribly significant, the icon attracted the faithful once more from every walk of life. The icon was in the hands of Irish Augustinians who had been exiled from Ireland for refusing to renounce the Pope and pledge loyalty to the Sovereign of England as head of the Church of England. This being penal times, any religious who refused was exiled at best or executed at worst. The seminarians at St. Matthew's, preparing for the priesthood, found solace and the strength they will need to return to their beloved land and martyrdom, as they pray before the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. But their newfound peace would come to an end. In 1798, war found its way into Rome. Nothing and no one was safe. The monastery and the church were almost completely destroyed, with little left of what had been. Some departed for their homeland, Ireland. 
Others left for newly founded communities in the United States. Most of them moved to another monastery in Rome, bringing with them the icon of the Virgin of St. Matthews, Our Lady of Perpetual Health. In 1819, the Irish Augustinians in Rome moved to the Church of St. Mary's in Posturella, located near the Umberto I Bridge, which spans the Tiber River. They took with them the Virgin of St. Matthews, but the Virgin of St. Matthews was not to reign in the new church. Our Lady of Grace had already been long venerated in this church, and so the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Health, or the Virgin of St. Matthews, as she was called at that time, was relegated to a small chapel in the monastery, soon to become a dim memory. This was to be its fate, except for the persistence of an Augustinian brother, Brother Augustine Orsetti, one of the original Augustinians who had fled to St. Matthew's during the war. The light that refused to be hidden under a bushel basket. The war that ravaged St. Matthew's church could not destroy the icon, but out of sight, out of mind. The world and its priorities will do what the war could not. It was about to be obliterated from the face of the earth, except for the persistence of a little boy and his mentor, Brother Augustine. The little boy often visited the church of Santa Maria, St. Mary, in Posterula. As he was an altar boy serving at many of the masses, Michael Marquis had many opportunities to be with Brother Augustine and hear his stories. After he was ordained, the altar boy turned priest, Father Michael, later wrote, This good brother used to tell me with a certain air of mystery and anxiety, especially during the years 1850 and 1851, these precise words, Make sure you know, my son, that the image of the Virgin of St. Matthew is upstairs in the chapel. Don't forget it. Do you understand? It is a miraculous picture. At that time, the brother was almost totally blind. What can I say about the venerable picture of the Virgin of St. Matthew, also called perpetual help, is that from my childhood until I entered the congregation of the Redemptorist, I had always seen it above the altar of the house chapel of the Augustinian Fathers of the Irish province of St. Mary in Posterula. There was no devotion to it, no decorations, not even a lamp to acknowledge its presence. It remained covered with dust and practically abandoned. Many were the times when I served Mass there that I would stare at it with great attention. Brother Augustine died in 1853 at the age of 83, never having seen his dream fulfilled. Our Virgin of Perpetual Help was not exposed for public veneration in his lifetime. January 1855, the Redemptorist purchased a house. Two years after Brother Augustine died, the Redemptorist purchased Villa Caserta, whereupon they immediately set about renovating it in order to accommodate a general house for their missionary congregations, which had by now spread to Western Europe and North America. Now, why has this to do with Our Lady of Perpetual Help? It just happened that on the same property along the Via Merulana, were what remained of the ruins of the church and monastery of St. Matthew the Apostle. When the Redemptorists had purchased the property and the Villa Caserta, 
They had no idea the treasure they would find there, no idea that one day, a thousand yesterdays from that day, the Virgin had chosen this land between St. Mary Major and St. John Lateran for her sanctuary. Four months passed after the purchase of the land, and the construction of a church began in honor of the Most Holy Redeemer. They were dedicated to St. Alphonsus Liguori, founder of the Redemptorist. December 23, 1855, voices full of excitement and anticipation will fill the newly renovated house as young men enter to begin their novitiate. One of these young men was the former altar boy, Michael Marquis. As with all old buildings, the Redemptorist sought to discover the history of the house and the property. Their curiosity was further piqued when in 1863, They heard a homily by a famous Jesuit preacher, Francesco Blossi, who preached about an icon bearing the title of the Virgin of St. Matthew, or as some others had purported, the Virgin of Perpetual Help, where he said that he believed the image of Mary had been in the Church of St. Matthew right there on their property on the Via Merulana. We have often said, when the Lord wants something to become known, then what should come to pass? Some historians checking into the history of the property found that, in truth, there had been an icon in the church dedicated to the Mother of God that had been widely venerated and made famous for the many miraculous interventions that had come about through the veneration of this icon of Our Lady. Now the question was, where would they find the icon in question? Again, we see the master chess master at work lining up all his pieces. Who should speak up but the former altar boy, now Father Michael Marquis? He told his fellow redemptorist he recalled the stories told him by Brother Augustin Orsetti and that he not only had seen it numerous times, he knew where he could find the icon. The icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help returns. Now the redemptorists were really excited. They set out to get permission from the Holy See. Their superior general, Father Nicholas Maron presented a petition to His Holiness Pope Pius IX requesting the icon be placed in their new Church of the Holy Redeemer in St. Alphonsus, as he had originally been in the Church of St. Matthew on the Via Merulana, near where their present church was located. The Pope not only granted permission on the back of the request, His Holiness wrote in his own hand the following words. December 11, 1865, the Cardinal Prefect of Propaganda will call the Superior of the Community of Santa Maria in Posterula and will tell him that it is our desire that the image of Most Holy Mary, referred to in this petition, be again placed between St. John and St. Mary Major. The Redemptorist shall replace it with another adequate picture. It is believed that it was at this time that His Holiness told the Redemptorist Superior General, make her known throughout the world. January 1866, the little altar boy, now Father Michael Marquis, along with Father Ernest Bresciani, walked into St. Mary's in Posterula. The Augustinians, in obedience to His Holiness, turned over the icon to them. Then the hard work of restoration began the careful cleaning and the meticulous retouching of the icon. 
almost 70 years after the icon had been relegated to near exile on April 26, 1866, at last the icon returned to the Via Merulana and was placed royally on the main altar to be venerated by the faithful. The icon had found a new home in the Church of St. Alphonsus. In 1990, because of the numerous requests for copies of the icon, the icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Health was taken down from above the main altar. When they began to ready the icon for duplication, they recognized it was in need of great repair. The Redemptorist contacted the Vatican, which has the greatest, most extensive studio in the world to repair and restore works of art. They carefully repair the icon without altering its original beauty. The tradition behind the painting. The tradition behind the painting is that the child Jesus had a vision where he saw the archangels Michael and Gabriel carrying the means of the crucifixion. His precious, innocent face shows fear as he beholds the archangel Gabriel carrying the cross upon which he will one day be crucified and the nails that will pin him to that cross. The Archangel Michael on the other side of him is carrying the other instruments of the Passion, the lance which will pierce his precious heart, the pole carrying the sponge, and a vessel containing the vinegar he will be given to drink. Here in the icon, we see the child Jesus. He has lost his slipper and has run to Mother Mary, and mother that she is, she is holding him close to her heart, enveloping him safely in the comfort of her arms, consoling him, reassuring him that no harm will come to him. Years later, years that passed too quickly, she would hold him once again in her arms. Only now he is past consolation. The innocent eyes are closed. His body is limp, lifeless, and she holds him for the last time on earth. Although the icon is best known by the title of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, because of all the endless answers to prayers through her intercession, in attempting to describe more aptly the artist's story behind the icon, we find ourselves turning to its other title, The Virgin of the Passion, where we see her eyes pleading, Will you do this to my son? In the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, when you gaze upon the statue of the Pietà, where Our Lady holds her son's broken body in her arms, she is again looking, only now up to the Father, as if saying, I have once again done your will. At the end of their journey, this is a private moment between her and the Father, her eyes and thoughts for him only. With the icon, we can see the pain she is yet to suffer on Calvary, and the plea she makes till today to us to not hurt her son. Our Pope John Paul II and his devotion to Our Lady. A little boy fell in love with the Mother of God and her icon, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, and became a priest. And through him, she and her icon will become known. Another little boy will ask her to be his mother, and he will become Pope and bring her to the whole world. When we went to Wadowice in Poland, where Pope John Paul II grew up, we discovered that although our Pope had a great devotion to Our Lady of Shestahova, it was before the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Health that he will kneel when as a boy he will stop, 
not unlike many other Polish children, to pray before going on to school. Was this part of what formed his life? We learned when researching his life in Poland that upon his mother's death as a young child, he knelt before the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and asked Our Lady to be his mother. And she has been from that day on his emblem with the words, Doros Tuos, All Yours, Maria. We found this poem attached to the diagram of the icon of Our Mother of Perpetual Help as we believe it expresses what is stored in the recesses of the hearts of many of Mary's children, I would like to close this chapter with it. Madonna, in thy eastern shrine reposing, we crown thee Empress of the adopted West, and hail thee Mother for redemption's closing, left thee to us in Jesus' last bequest, perpetual help upon the breast of Mother, omnipotence, here lifts his childhood's fears, and thou dost soothe his terrors as no other, but thou couldst do and kiss away his tears. But even while thy infant's fingers tremble, their fright within thy palms, while cherubim, Golgotha's green precursors here assemble with spectral cross and lance, tis not on him, but on us canes, whose sins have slain our brother. Thy eyes gaze sadly from thy frame above. The wayward child is dearest to his mother, the prodigal heir nearest to her love. Behold us like the loosened sandal cleaving to Jesus' feet by but a single strap. Should that thong fall, be thou our hope receiving thy fallen children in a mother's lap. Reverend John T. Feeney Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O Blessed Lady, to help me whenever I call on thee. For in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name, or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee, for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Health. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.